Hey everybody, Josh Sheridan here with the Barely Legal Podcast. For my second guest of today, we have Tom DeGeorge. He owns the Crowbar uh, Live Entertainment Venue in Ybor City. He is a staple in the local live music scene. He's kind of at the forefront of the cause right now for what's happening with live music in the face of the pandemic. And uh, he and I just had the opportunity to speak a little bit off mic, and he is going through the ringer in, in pretty much every possible way that he can, personally, professionally, et cetera. So uh, very thankful that he took time out of his busy schedule to come by and talk to us today. Thank you so much, Tom. Thank you for having me, Josh. So uh, I'm going to kind of do this one a little bit different from everybody else's because of the nature of what you're dealing with professionally right now. I got the opportunity to speak with Ray Roa a little bit this morning. There was that article that just came out in Creative Loafing. So normally I would kind of go through and do your, your history, and maybe we'll touch on that a little bit. But one of the things I really want to just jump right off and talk to you about is what's going on with live music right now. So I know you've done a bunch of interviews, both podcasts, written. Uh, but one of the questions that I have for you, well, I, I guess I guess for the benefit of the listener, what is it that's going on right now uh, with live music? Well, What's Well, that's a loaded question. Sure. Well, great. Because <laughs> there's a lot going on, but there's nothing going on at all. So as we know, um, or maybe we don't know, and, that, and that's doing as many interviews as I have, I think what I found is that there's a disconnect with people because they don't actually understand what people in our industry are dealing with. So back in March, I mean, earlier than that, we were being warned about the pandemic. When did you first, when, when was it first on your radar? Honestly, that we were going to be closing down very, I mean, within 48 hours, the writing was on the wall. Right. Now, they were talking about the pandemic in the media, I think somewhere in January, but I think humans, we get so busy that until we're actually affected by something, we're inherently stupid in some Put way. Put our head in the sand for and, sure. And, and, it, and, and surely I'm definitely, I think when, when you talk to people and they tell you about me, um, earlier you said people said that I'm a real sweetheart. Like yeah. I'm a nice guy. I think that if people that get to know me will say that, but they also will say that I'm the type of person that likes to think ahead and be prepared for things. So when I figured out what was going on, I was actually embarrassed with myself that I didn't pay closer attention to this because right. you could look back. I had actually looked back on an episode of um, John Oliver, right. like the News Last Week, whatever that yeah. show was called. And in January, he was talking about coronavirus and saying, you know, hey, this is what's happening in China. People are in their houses and a little box is telling them in a speaker what they can do and what they can't do if they can have yard exercise. And we have a, as a country should be concerned about this. This was in January. I remember going back and watching that episode after we had been shut down and thinking, you know, how can I be, could be so stupid? Well, you know? don't be too hard on yourself because um, even today they, people still right, don't know what's going on. Yeah. And so um, I was just like, wow, you let yourself get blindsided on this. I was frustrated. I, I was, you know, then immediately doing my research, you know, so I could finally get ahead of it and try to be um, as much of an expert as you can be without being a medical professional. Um, and so what I was doing was reading a lot, 
um, watching lots of interviews, getting caught up, watching multiple news stations, so I could understand, seeing what had happened in other countries, and, and, and really prepare myself for what um, we were looking at. And I think that now people realize that if you were labeled a non-essential business, that you were asked to close your doors. I don't think that what most people don't necessarily realize, I think now they're starting to realize it because it's getting the press it deserves, is that those same businesses, that there was really no Nothing there guaranteed for them. protection for them for the amount of time that they were being closed down. And that was um, the, the interview that Ray did, or, well, actually the interview that Josh Holton did that Ray proofed it. That was what that was centered around, and it was the same interview I did with WMNF. It was basically that, you know, we in the industry would be closed as long as we have to. There was an understanding or maybe a belief at the beginning that there was going to be a quid pro quo, or at least, you know, we're, we're going to do what's socially responsible by closing this down, but hopefully on the back end, there's going to be a realization that can... I think when they originally started talking about the PPP loan, which was CARES Act 1, sure. that we as small businesses, I, I wouldn't say that... I think our hope was that as small businesses, they were going to take care of us first. Even with that, I looked at it and I was like, we need serious help for my industry. Right. Because unlike, um, and no disrespect to restaurants. Well, restaurants, they, regular, they... Restaurants took a hard hit. For sure. But at the same time, they were really only shut down for a month. Right. Completely, you know, and not even completely. They were still given the takeout option. Now, many restaurants, and I've ran all types of... There's no food at Crowbar, right? It's no. okay. But I've ran restaurants yeah, before. Yeah, for sure. Um, b before opening Crowbar, I mean, there's two types of businessmen. There's businessmen that you went to school for business and you're good at it. And then there's other ones that did a long in paid internship of employ employment at other places, working in all types of fields. And you go, now I understand what it's like because I've run every aspect of all different service industry businesses. Right. That was me. So... Um, restaurants, even though they're allowed to do takeout, very hard to reach your margins doing anything. Oh, for things. sure. So I don't want to act like it was a cakewalk for the restaurants. It was very hard for the restaurants as well. But as we see now, restaurants are open Outdoor now. Outdoor proceedings. Um, I heard the mall's open today. The mall is open today. Um, they, they were able to do things with the outside seating, which is something I had talked with the mayor about. Like, listen, you know, they asked me. I'm not going to say it was my idea. They said... Do you think this would be helpful in Ybor City? And I said, yeah, I do. And I think other areas you can do that, it's going to allow them. Because there's no way you're going to meet your margins at 25% and be able to bring your staff back. There's right. just no way. Right. That being said, music venues and nightclubs are still shut down. I've been shut down for two months today. I'm going to be shut down probably until middle of June yeah. um, by choice. I think that by June 1st, we'll get the green light to open. But... I think some people are going to be hesitant, and I certainly want to do it the right way. So, but back to your question, I think we were hoping that we would be first in line right. for the PPP, but at the same time, I was already looking at the PPP and saying, I need to lobby nationally because we are, there's no way we're going to get, I'm, within the first week, the, the gross revenue I lost was close to half a million dollars from all the shows That's that they canceled. And then that PPP loan, the way it is built, it is built for businesses that are not completely shuttered yeah. because they want you to leave your staff on. So right. I was already paying my staff 
in order to get the PPP, I was already paying them, and you can't use... They keep changing what you can use it for. Well, but From you, when I took the loan out, the grant out, to what it is now, it's a different thing. I, as, as far as I know, you still can't use it for any payroll that you paid prior to the PPP. Yeah. So all that money that I paid my stuff already... You're out of pocket. The rent, the, you know, uh, my landlord was nice to me. Um, there are other businesses I've talked to that the landlord's expecting full rent the entire time. Right. I want to make it clear because I think sometimes this gets lost in translation. The landlord should get the full rent. Yeah. The whole problem is it should be a moratorium that's set up in the federal government. With the banking. Should be stepping in and saying, we're going to freeze this and then we're going to put this over here so the landlord can get the money. He's just not going to get it from or, or he or she is not going to get it from his or her tenant. Right. You know, they're going to get it. coming from the people from, who have it. Yeah. From the people that have it. Right. From the federal government because right. we're setting this up. Clearly, that's not what happened. And we know that over a trillion dollars went out. And some of it, I just got my PPP money in the second round, but only, I, they gave me 20K. So what does that get you through? Six, like One month. Yeah. Because I have to use the rest for payroll. Right. And I'm not even operating yet. So right. I'm using it to give my staff money. For, for stuff that I'm having them do for me, but it's not really operation. It's not like... It's not solving the problem. It's not going to solve the problem, and it's certainly not going to... They have already said that the larger tours won't come back till spring of 2021. So I have lost almost a year's worth of business, which is, you know... Even under a the best of, of circumstances, a it's hard to keep money. a business afloat. So, yeah. So they didn't... Not only are they not going to reimburse me for the business I lost, but they're not giving me even close to the money it cost me just to stay closed. Right, right. You know, and that's why I don't think people realize, like, I would stay closed for a year if I had to, if they were going to pay me to stay closed for a year and I wasn't going to have to worry about my livelihood being taken away from me. Now, you mentioned... That's a big problem. You mentioned when we were talking originally about you coming on, uh, what is the lobby that... Is it Nilva or Niva? Niva. Niva is the... National Independent Venue Association. And what you need to be a part of NEVA is either an independent, independent promoter or an independent ticketed venue, meaning that you, you host live music, um, but it's ticketed. So you're bringing in bands um, from all over the country. Um, one of the studies we've shown different senators around the country is that for every dollar that is spent on a concert ticket, $12 is spent in the communities around them. So it's, it's hard to, I don't believe that Crowbar was ever in a position, I mean, not that this is over yet, sure. but I can see where things are going, so I believe I know when we will be open again, and I've come up with a good business model to survive this. Um, but but when, when you're lobbying, it's hard for people to separate the feelings they have specifically for your venue as opposed to the bigger picture. The bigger picture, sure. So so a lot of my lobbying would get lost in people having personal concerns for me, right. which I obviously appreciate. It's very humbling to me doing what I've done as long as I have to know that people are actually care about me and my venue personally. But it's constant explaining to people, listen, my venue's going to be okay. The problem is if all these other venues around the country shut down, my business won't be okay because there won't be enough quality venues for people to be booking so tours. people yeah. to book tours. Right. And so if three or four other venues in Florida go out of business, it's just like me going out of business 
because then the tours are going to stop coming here. It's not cost-effective for them to book a show in Tampa. And the music scene that we've worked so hard to build up will be decimated. And people need to understand that. So the way that I attack things as a lawyer and as a business person is I always, you know, primarily what I do is family law. So people will come in and I'll say, let's start at the end. What are you looking for? What is the relief that you're looking for? And then I'll reverse engineer how we get from today to that point. So have you quantified or visualized what the relief would be that you're looking for or that people in your position are looking for? Where would that come from? Who is it that we would appeal to? What would it look like? Have you thought about that sort of thing? We, we would have to, and we're already pretty far along in the process now. So, you know, actually, you know, it starts with the federal government. You're lobbying legislators. They still haven't carved out an actual total. And the problem, you know, this goes back to one of my other, the problem is the, the, the finish line keeps changing. Yeah. You know, we don't know when our industry is going to come back. Right. So to put an actual dollar figure on it that says um, this is what we need is very hard to do because we don't know when, when this will be over with. The, and the other problem is they didn't do it right from the beginning. So in order to understand where we're at, you have to look into the past because people say, well, let's not worry about what happened. We can only look and forward. Going forward. The problem is the mistakes were already made. So when you're talking to these legislators, they're saying, listen, we've already put out like a trillion dollars. We don't want to spend any more money. The problem is they didn't give us the money first. Right. If the moratorium would have been put on things at the beginning, and basically you would have given these small businesses that were the Instead true, of the Lakers and the true affected, and the, yeah. right, the true affected businesses, <laughs> yeah. here's your line of credit to pay your bills yeah. where you don't have to worry about it because we're going to track this. We're going to make sure that these are your real bills, and then the government's going to cover it. We can't go back on that now because they've already given away a lot of money to people who didn't necessarily need it. Some of those people have given the money back, but a lot have not. Right. And so what you have is people that need it, but they didn't need it as much. Nobody needs it more than the business that you shut down completely. Right. You know, like we, we have no choice to do anything. Do you think it's savable? I think we're going to lose a lot of venues. Yeah. I don't think that there's any... I mean, when we do our NEVA meetings, I'm in about four NEVA meetings a week, and every week somebody's like, we're closing our doors somewhere in the country. You know, I, I think we're going to lose a lot of venues. And, and you know, when, they, when they're logging the deaths from this virus, where they say, well, this person died of this, but then they got COVID, and so they had a I was just listening to condition. Elon Musk talk about this thing on right. the Joe Rogan. He's talking it's, about how... Everything is coded as a COVID death. Well, and, yeah. I wouldn't say that, but what I would say is you're going to have to look at businesses and say, well, this is how many didn't reopen. Yeah. But you are going to, It's. I think it's fair to say that there's going to be a lot of businesses that end up closing after they've opened in six or seven months because they could not sustain the new normal. Right. So one of the things I was talking with some city officials earlier today was obtainable goals. Like we have to have... Um, aside from the money, which now there's some county money that came in that they're looking at different ways to split it up among the businesses, which, you know, we got that financial money now. We can go, okay, now we got some stuff on a county level. How do we divvy this up? You also have to, whatever the, the plans are going forward, they have to be obtainable goals so these businesses can survive the new normal. Right. So, so that's where we're at now. We're at, there's already been mistakes made. How do we spend the money that we've given us? 
How do we get them to carve out more money for us on a federal level to, to divvy it back up down to the states so we have more relief? And then on top of that, going forward, how do we set up restrictions to keep people safe that also are obtainable for these businesses to survive themselves? That it's going to be difficult, but we can meet our goals because they're giving us the tools to do them. Now, are you guys in Ebor talking to each other? I mean, are you talking with Orpheum, talking that, with Ritz, talking to, yeah. I don't think what they're doing is they, and I don't know, I mean, nobody told me any of this information wasn't shareable, and I don't know when this is going to air anyway, but I, I don't think what they're doing is, and at least the way I've chosen to get involved in stuff, the Neva thing, that's on a national level, and all that is is ticketed venues. Most of the stuff that I'm talking with the mayor's office about and locally in Ebor about is they're talking about, hey, Tom, we want to get a group together because we know the governor is going to come down soon and say this is allowed to open. But what we'd like to do locally is at least get a solid game plan together that we feel will work for more businesses. So I've been getting calls because I've been out lobbying kind of the figurehead, as yeah. heavily as I have. For sure. Because um, people, and I will say this, people will say to me, well, why did they ask you? Well, because I've been working my ass off. You know? right. and, and people have a tendency when they see your name out there and they see you doing interviews, the city doesn't want to screw this up either. Right. You know, so they're reaching out to me and saying, hey, we heard what you said. We know you're a leader in the community. Who else do you think we should get involved? But what they want is they don't want five other venues like me. What they want is a live music guy, a larger live venue live music guy, um, a nightclub, a brewery, in a neighborhood bar yeah because they're looking at like all these things are coming up the jury of your peers point. as it was yeah and, and then we'll have a well-rounded um group of people that it's one thing to because that's the the other thing that i've been telling these people options 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 because they want to know what will work i said it, not everything's going to work so you have to give us options if right. you give us options um i saw in phase one Sometimes if you make things too tough, people just are going to break the rules. Right. That's all there is to it. I don't want to do that, and I don't think most good businesses want to do that, but when they're under as much pressure as they are right now, and like I said, usually in business, you know the rules. The rules keep changing, so we're under a lot of pressure. So I'm, I know that there's business owners that go, you know what, they're changing the rules every day anyway. This is what I'm going to do because I think it works, um, and I'm just going to do the best I can. What we need is a plan that is obtainable to every business and that there's options so it works for every business. Right. So we can all get through this because, um, like, like I said about businesses in other cities, it's the same thing with my community. If my business is okay but four or five restaurants in Ybor City shut down and two tattoo shops shut down and um, a nightclub shuts down, less people are gonna to come to Ebor and it's gonna affect our community as a whole, which in turn will affect me down the road one way or another. Because I, I, when I look at business, um, there's two schools of thought. Some people are like, well, that's less competition. I believe in the competition. I believe, especially in my district. Mm, in the the rising tide raises all boats or the whatever more, that, yeah. The more people that we have in our district that are good business operators, the better Ebor City is always going to be. And if that means that I'm competing with um, three or four different live music venues, I mean, back in the day when I first opened and New World was right down the street 
and Orpheum was right next to them. Man, yeah. you want to talk about getting jazzed up for a fight? I oh, was like, sure. let's go. Yeah. Because I always want to be the best at everything I would do. So, you know, I'm always looking towards, you know, any sort of um, healthy Healthy challenge, healthy competition. Or a healthy challenge where it's going to make me step my game up. Um, inherently, it's just who I am. Like, I just always have a chip on my shoulder about wanting to outperform, wanting to be the best, wanting to bring the most shows into the area. You know, it's just, Is there any it's just kind of collaboration going on with the live music venues and the bands themselves? Because I know that touring and, live, and playing live was the way that they saved themselves when mm -hmm. the record business went under effectively was... Now we got to make our money touring. So that was kind of their life raft. Are you hearing anything from that side of it as far as them kind of? I think that there's also a, there, there's an actual artist organization too. I've talked to bands okay. um, individually. Um, and, and I think that the big push right now with artists has been online performances. It's important you take it. <laughs> That's fine. Um, which works for them. Yeah. There's really no It doesn't, way to, it doesn't. I mean I mean they might they're they're okay. Let's put it this way. They're making a little bit of money. Sure. It's um, like takeout for the restaurants. Yeah. Right. It's I the watched same thing. Uh, uh, you know Wolf Face last night and they were it was cool. They were I haven't even looked at my PayPal was going crazy. Well I was talking to <laughs> I was talking to Michael J. Wolf today. I was like, I couldn't even figure out how to donate that way. He said, Yeah, I don't know if the league was working. So I actually do want to talk to you about that after off the show, but it was, um, I was I was flattered. Um, we had been doing some work at the bar, and after we got done, I'd had a few drinks and a couple shots. And so when I had got home, I was a little tipsy, and my PayPal was going crazy. Yeah. At first, I couldn't remember what was going on. I was like, what is, oh, I was like, oh, it's the wolf face. Yeah. Because they had asked me if they could do it. And even with that, I was like, there's so many different charities you can do, but. This is so important, though. It, yeah, you know? it, it so, is so important, though. Um, yeah, but I have talked to some band people. Um and I also, when I was talking to different county commissioners, and that's my point, they were like, have you thought about doing any of this stuff so you're not completely shuttered? And I was like, listen, so-and-so. I was like, what you need to understand is there's not even enough money for the artist to make money doing that. Right. That is supposed to be the backup plan for my venue, paying 100% of my bills. Yeah. I might as well just go out of business right, right now. Right. I won't make any money. It'll cost me more to open. And I had made the decision, and I hope... That, that the artists understand because several had asked me to do it from Crowbar. And I had made the decision very early that I wasn't going to take part in any of that just because because of how the finish line was changing. Right. changing and I needed um, the motivation and the goal for myself. I had told myself that the next time there's yeah. a band on this stage, I will be open again. Yeah. I will be open for business. Now, is that pre-fest thing? Is that, is that public? Or is that the... The thing that Wolf Face is doing is the that thing they did. Oh, isn't there one in July that has been discussed, or am I? Mm, no. The only thing in July is our hot dog party. That's it. That's what I'm if thinking. If we of. still do if you it, still on do time, it, right, right. Um, I would like to go forward with it. I think it depends on the time frame of the city. Sure. Like I said, I feel that I have a really responsible game plan together for places like mine, and I do think that the show could happen at that time. Um, the main problem is. One of our main organizers that we do it with, that co-hosts it with me, which is Maddie Lee mm -hmm. um, from Poetry and Lotion and other local bands. He's been in a bunch, um, well-known artists. He lives in New York. Okay. And so he doesn't he can't know, even get here. <laughs> he was like, I don't know if I'll be able to travel by yeah, then, man. Yeah. And I told him, 
I was like, well, well I just can't do it without you. You're, right. you're an integral part of this thing. So we, we, we will make that decision as we get closer. The, the hot dog party, we told people will happen no matter what, but we may have to reschedule it for like August or September, okay. depending on what the new normal looks like right. at the beginning of July. A lot of things could change by then. Right, right, right. So, so any any kind of advice on what people can do that aren't in your position, just the public or fans or attorneys? You know, I've got a bunch of, like, what can people be doing to help out? Is there anything? Writing the legislature, writing the mayor? I mean, anything I mean, at all? Honestly, or is it just... it's, it's I, I guess I've come to terms with it at this point. For a long time, I told people it was like Groundhog's Day. I'd wake up every day and be so angry because I felt like I was in the twilight zone because I would look at it and I'd go, I don't understand how I'm at risk of losing my business over this. Right. I, mean, I really still don't. But I think a, a, a reality has come to me that there's only so much we can do. And all we really can do is lobby our lawmakers and let them know that it's extremely important to us that nobody goes out of business yeah. from this. And I think that they're either going to listen or they're not. Yeah. And that's it. You yeah. know, I think it's really... I would have never thought that there would come a point. I mean, I've been through a lot in my business, and owning your own business is extremely difficult. And I'll get through this, but the Tom DeGeorge that I was 10 or 11 or 12 years ago, I wouldn't have even had a fighting chance. Yeah. There's no way. Yeah. You know, I just wouldn't have known what to do. how to do this. Yeah. You know, and, and, and there's a lot of people that know. are the Tom DeGeorge ten years, today. You know, there's people who yeah. are earlier in their career like, and don't have and, the benefit of your experience. I mean, and, and that's, to me, has always been part of the fight is that I have a, a an ability to tr truly take on and understand other people's pain. Yeah. Um, and I kept thinking to myself, what if you were an older couple that finally decided to pursue your dreams and you spent your pension to open up like a little shop or a little boutique. Yeah. That kept sticking in my head over and over again. I was like, I want to keep pushing these issues because to me, that's just not right. Right. You know, um, that, that, that you could actually, and that was the other thing I didn't even mention earlier. All the stuff that came out at the beginning when you were filling it out as a loan, even to become a grant, you had to show your last two years of business. And I'm like, what the hell, dude? What about all these other people? Why are they applying for this? They were doing fine. It yeah. should just be, this is what you're going to get. Yeah. You yeah. know, and, but they didn't do that. So now, unfortunately, we are stuck in a reality that there are going to be businesses that are going to go out of business. Yeah. There's going to be people that are going to lose everything. And the only thing we can do is lobby as hard as we can to minimize that. Right. You know, it's much like, you know, when the parallels, it's real parallels in real time. People say it's the, with this virus, we are, you could look back on it and say if they had acted sooner, if they had done something different. They could have saved maybe these lives. They could have saved a lot more lives and maybe, just maybe, we got to a point where they didn't have to shut down the economy at all. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's going to be argued heavily when this is over. Like, For sure. What could have happened different, you know, if they would have really been paying attention to this when it first started? Right. I don't know if we would have ever shut down the government. Right. It could have been where it was, where New York.
Well, you and I are about the same age, and you know, it's been not to get super political, but since this new administration, it's amazing to me how comfortable I was, so, so wrongly comfortable believing that there were stop gaps, that there were safeguards, that there were these things that were going to protect us from X, Y, and Z happening. And now it's like everywhere you turn, it's like <laughs> no one knows what's going on. Nobody. No one's thought about it. No one's, you know, and it's uh, very frightening. It's frightening because what else do we not know about that's coming down the pike, you know? So I mean, there's not to, I mean, like you said, you don't want to get too political, but I mean, I'm sure every one of your listeners. I'm happy to get very political. Sure. But yeah. And I can get political <laughs> too. I'm not afraid of anything. Yeah. That's yeah. the other thing. Yeah. People will tell you I'm an open book. Yeah. So, I mean, honestly, when you talk to people, I've talked to many people that believe that the problem with this is that we do know too much. And they will say to you that there's mutations every year and it all gets lumped in right. to the common flu. Right. Now, I don't know if that's true or not. I, I think that this is a little bit more severe. But I would say, like, well, how did this just start? Just why haven't we been worried about this before? Uh, before, you know, uh, um, I would also say that, you know, I think you might still believe in Santa Claus if you don't believe that there's stuff that our government doesn't tell us about. Right. You know, I'm For sure. glad that this is coming to the forefront and we know about it. And I think people should ask a lot of questions. People should be saying, well, what else is, you know, like yeah. you said, what else is going on that we don't know about? Because can't do anything about no it matter, if you don't know about it. No matter how you decided to vote, I think it's a hard pill to swallow when the mainstream media um, starts reporting about this in January and our elected officials are being asked about it. And the response is, it's not a big deal. Don't worry about it. It's going to go away in April. To me... Look, when I say things could have been different, I think if the message from the beginning was not blowing it off because they didn't want people to get quote-unquote scared or whatever is, no, this is actually really effing serious. I yeah. don't know. Oh, fuck, fuck, Really fuck. fucking yeah, yeah, serious. Yeah, yeah. You should be extremely worried about this. There is a great possibility that if we don't get this under control that we're going to have to shut down the economy. I think if that narrative would have been going on from the beginning that every time they came up it was taken extremely serious because like you said there's a large gap somewhere from the first case in january to when things start happening in march not only that but i heard the other day that the the heck was going on but i heard that they like there was news that they were shutting down stuff overseas like in the fall like you know i mean mean, there was definitely signs i think they're going to find too that there was i mean i to this day, I think I had it back in January. Yeah, I'm still waiting to get tested because I'm not. I, I've heard a number of people say around Christmas they had a oh really bad, God. really I bad. Was, yeah. I've never been knocked on my ass like that ever. And what happened was, and my whole staff got it too. And there was a FYA fest, which is a hardcore fest. We did the pre-show for it, and we had about 15 bands, and half of those bands were from New York. Yeah, and. We all got sick. And everybody's but, I mean, spitting on each other, sweating on each sweating, other, bleeding on each PDR other. Our blood. Yeah. I mean, we had three capacity packed in there. Which, by the way, this no mosh thing is hilarious to me because I don't know. That's what I say. We're yeah. going to have to pick and choose what type of music yeah. we do for a while, but too. the singer-songwriter or, music. Or people are going to have to say, okay, I want this music, but I could follow the rules. Because yeah. we're not going to listen. Mess it's around, just yeah. what the, the new normal. We're not going to be able to have people crawling all over each other for quite some time. Yeah. 
So, um, yeah, but when I look back on that, I, I believe that they're going to find that this started a lot earlier. Yeah. So knowing that it was that early, if we would have been taking it seriously back then and ramped up as much testing as we could when we should have, um, maybe it would have been different. Yeah. But certainly all these changes that are going to be coming are inevitable regardless. Yeah. You know, there's just no way we can go back. I don't believe at least to what we were doing before in the same way we were doing it ever again, which is honestly crazy to think about that you may be living in a society going forward where mosh pits are unheard of. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's Which breaks my out. heart because that's my that's my youth. That's where I came up. You know, as a, a born in '75, skateboarding was an entry point to punk music. Was an entry point to, you know, hardcore music, metal, all this stuff. So that that's been my 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 life. You know, since then, and that's such a big part of it. So to see how this is going to mutate that, whether it's changing how live music occurs or whether or not it even occurs. It scares me because you look back on a longer timeline of history and, and the, the, the part that art plays in the world. And I think music is what, you know, you know, painting was, you know, centuries ago. I mean, it's that's that's how art makes itself, you know, available to us these days. And this is going to play such a big role in how we receive that. And I don't know what it's going to look like. And, that you know, it's it's, it's honestly it's. Like you said, we're around the same age. So when you, I think of stuff all the time. When I was a kid, when I was a kid, it's honestly the last piece of our generation when we were kids that's still happening yeah. today. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like when we were kids, you know, playing in the yard or riding our dirt bikes without helmets, you know, the, um, getting beat up all the time. Parents smoking in the car at the restaurant. The yeah, you know nothing like when we were kids is the way it is today. Right. The only thing that was left was the sweaty concerts. Yeah. yeah. I mean, honestly, if you think about our childhoods, the only thing that was left was the sweaty concerts, and those are probably over now. I, yeah. You I, know, I the mean, idea of it being online content, or you know, that just scares me. I, I still think I think the concerts are gonna come back. I just don't know how the how some of it's going to look yeah i know how stuff will look in my room um for the foreseeable future i just don't when i try to wrap my mind around big huge festivals i'm not so sure yeah for now sure. what they do say is and one thing when i was talking to someone with the mayor's office a couple of days ago is they they're really not worried about the outdoor stuff so much yeah they believe that your chances of contracting this virus um, in the open out in the open doors is Pretty much small. much less. Yeah. Very small. Yeah. So if if that's the model, I mean, clearly the the Super Bowl they want the Super Bowl to happen. Yeah. So if they believe that we can pack in a crowd at Raymond James um, for the Super Bowl, maybe that means that big huge concerts can we'll come back. Come back. Too. Sense, yeah. But maybe the the open floor thing goes away i don't know yeah what they're gonna do when yeah. i talked to them about my room they were actually like if you're gonna operate at 50 percent capacity having less seating works in your favor because we don't want people staying still for too long yeah they said as long as people in there are moving there's less of a possibility that anybody's gonna cough 
on somebody or sneeze on somebody. So I don't I know. Need... And like I said, that the the what the information that the officials are getting changes every day. Yeah. As we find out more. So what they were telling me a couple of days ago isn't anything like somebody would have told me three weeks ago. Right. You know. Gotta play it as it lies. I need my Zoots Christmas show. I need my. We're gonna do Zoots. <laughs> Zoots is happening. Zoots is happening. Christmas. Zoots yeah. is happening. Um, the only thing, I mean, we're gonna do business. I think the only thing um, that you won't see from us and from venues bigger than us till at least the spring of next year is the larger touring shows. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the shit that was on my calendar that's not there anymore. I don't know when you'll see again. Well, I want to, I, I know you have a three o'clock, you need to be somewhere. So I really wanted to talk today about this issue, but I definitely do want to have you back at some point, hopefully when things turn around, just to talk about the history of Crowbar. Greg wanted me to ask you about Jay Riotard playing there right before he passed away oh. and some of the crazy shows that you've had in there. So maybe maybe that'll be uh, when you're able to come back with us. That, we got some really good stories, like some stories about Old Dirty Sundays with different, you know, we've had probably, shit. I don't know, probably 300 DJs from all around the world. Yeah. Guess that party. Right. Like that party's become so famous. Like, we based that party on, like, a like a New York old-school hip-hop sure. barbecue. yeah. And it got, the party got so iconic that we would have DJs from New York asking us to come play because we were more authentic than their parties in New York. I mean, imagine that. People That's don't crazy. realize, and it's funny you, you say that, and it reminds me a little bit. One of the people I've been trying to get on is Brian Schaefer from Skate Park of Tampa. And people don't realize what Tampa is for these little worlds, you know, the, the DJ world, the skateboarding world. But, I mean, it really is a center of culture in a lot of ways that I just don't think everybody realized. But I think if they did, maybe there'd be more attention from the, from the, you know, the government and these sorts of things to realize how important this is to not just our community, but just scenes nationwide. Yeah, I mean, that's a whole nother, like you said, we could do a whole nother pod about what businesses are essential and what businesses are non-essential. I believe my business is, is essential. essential. I mean, I really do. This has been a very tough period of time for me because it's taking away my passion. And as an entrepreneur, as a businessman, um, and you know this, once it's taken away from you, it's already in your blood, so you have to put, you can't just sit at home and wait. You have to put your full focus into being a leader and making things happen for your community. So that's what, what I've been trying to do. You know, I've been trying to get my voice out there and talk to people. Um, I don't think that there's anything, you know, when, when, when for whatever reason, all the non-essential businesses turn out to be big box stores that donate to people's campaigns. Yeah, essential to who? I think that's Essential bullshit. to who, exactly. You know, I, and, and I've had this argument with a number of people, you know, where I would say, you know, I don't see what makes um, Target an essential business. And they would say to me, well, you know, they do have a grocery and a pharmacy there. Fine, then the only thing you should be able to buy there is for groceries and for their pharmacy. And then, you know, I would say Best Close Buy's, off the rest of it. Best Buy's open too. Yeah. You know, like all the big box stores are open that certainly, you know, even you could tell Publix that they have to do takeout only. Why is Publix allowed to do in-store shopping, but my neighborhood restaurant has to do takeout only? Yeah. There's plenty of apps. No more contact, no more people, no more. That yeah. you should tell Publix 
And you know what? If you would have shut Publix and Target and Best Buy and Walmart, shut all these places down too and made them take out only, I bet you, you would have got the numbers under control a lot, a lot faster. Sooner. Yeah. And all of us, quote unquote, non-essential business w- would have been back in business faster than what we're going through right now. Right. You know? Well, I know everybody appreciates Take that you. big box. That's stores. right. Take it. <laughs> I appreciate you so much coming in. I think it's amazing what you're doing. You're doing such a good thing for both the people in your business and the people who, uh, you know, come to your business for, as I was talking to Gabe, uh, he used to work at Vinyl Fever, and I've been talking to Rob Sexton over at Planet Retro, and Keith Olray at Microgroove, and you know, these are are purveyors of joy, and if joy's not essential, I don't know what is, and and that's what you give to the public, and that's what you're fighting for, and you know, the fact that you're doing it right now, this time in your life with everything that's going on, I think is even... Uh, even a, a greater thing. So thank you so much for coming by. Hopefully when everything shakes out, and, and I'm going to have to have faith that it will, you'll be able to come back in and we can have a much lighter, oh, definitely. lighter I love conversation. Your studio. I appreciate it. <laughs> well, come in whenever you want. All right. All right. Thank you, sir.